Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 75. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $425 each, and everybody's favorite LTB coins are trading at $0.000078 US dollars each. And listeners, before we get started with the show, I'd like to share with you a website I recently discovered that will help keep you up to date with live streaming cryptocurrency prices. Check out CryptoCompare.com. This is the best resource I've found recently for looking at trends and for gaining valuable information about digital currencies, plus information on exchanges, mining equipment, wallet options, and a whole lot more. Bookmark it now, CryptoCompare.com. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin epicenter of the South. I'm here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, right by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin fanatics who love talking with people about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, thank you once again for supporting the show with your generous tips and new listeners. We hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, I am happy to have as my guests here in the Treehouse studio, the CEO of BTC Media, David Bailey. And here today with David is John Riggins, the man who will be heading up the Shanghai office of BTC Media. BTC Media recently moved here to Nashville and is now the world's preeminent Bitcoin media group, reaching millions of readers worldwide and representing over 130 fintech advertisers, ranging from startups to multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 companies. In this interview, we hear about some very exciting things going on here in Nashville, brought to us by BTC Media. Welcome to Nashville, guys. Listeners, today on the show, I am so happy to have here in the Treehouse studio with me two young men from BTC Media, David Bailey, the CEO of BTC Media, and John Riggins, whose title is yet to be determined, but we'll find out a little bit more about that in a minute. Guys, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Thank you for having us. All right, so this is like a journey. You guys just showed up here in Nashville, kind of like a dream, you know, just when I thought Bitcoin's dying in Nashville, right? Nothing's going on. The old Bitcoin meetup group had dissolved and something had happened. I have no idea if those people are even alive or incarcerated. What happened to those guys? God bless them. If you're out there listening from your cells or wherever you guys are, uh, we we miss you in Nashville. Anyway, um, so you guys just showed up. You came up to Nashville from Alabama. That's right. Right. And you now are the largest Bitcoin media company in the world. That's right. Is that right? That makes Nashville media headquarters for Bitcoin. So how did this happen? Take us on the journey, David Bailey. This is David Bailey, the CEO, and we're going to hear from John Riggins here in a minute. But David Bailey, take us on the journey. How did this whole thing come to be? So we started this business back in 2013, back before the second Bitcoin bubble. So the price was had already hit 260 and crashed down to 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, whenever you told someone that you were involved with Bitcoin, they either didn't know what it was or the only thing they knew about it was something drug related. <laughs> right. So there was a huge education issue going on. So we decided to make this magazine that was completely free called Why Bitcoin? We didn't think we were going to make any money from doing it. We just wanted to make this magazine. So when people asked you, what is Bitcoin? You could just hand them a magazine and spare yourself a two-hour conversation. So it was really bore out of frustration in many parts. Okay. And um, after that first magazine, we just had a huge response from not just the Bitcoin community, but from our advertisers and from people who were actually going out and using it to actively evangelize what Bitcoin's all about. And um, it was a magical moment. So we decided to do a second one and a third one. And the magazine kept growing and the demand for the magazine kept growing. 
Now we're on our ninth magazine, I believe. Okay. And uh, we print about 50,000 magazines every quarter. Wow. So I guess that means that we've printed about 450,000 to 500,000 magazines since getting it started. Well, yeah, I remember being at the Bitcoin meetup two years ago, and these guys had this Why Bitcoin magazine that looked like every other really nicely produced magazine that you see out there high end. I thought, wow, this is cool. Who's doing this? I didn't look into it at the time, but now I know. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the thought was if we want to make it coffee table quality, then it'll sit on people's coffee tables for a really long time. Hmm. And, you know, we have it at doctor's offices and car dealerships and literally thousands of distribution locations across the United States, primarily, but across the entire world. So we got the Why Bitcoin magazine up and running. Mm -hmm. And now we're doing business with about 50, 60 different Bitcoin startups. And they have a pretty wide range of needs, mostly related to marketing and spreading the word about their product and services. And I guess we had done a good job of articulating this complex idea of Bitcoin in a pretty simple way. So a lot of our customers were like, well, help me you know, explain mining or help me explain, you know, what my Bitcoin wallet does. And so out of the need from our advertisers, we started to develop more business to business products and more creative services and began to basically acquire different Bitcoin media properties in the space that could kind of satisfy the demand from our advertisers. So probably the best known asset we bought was Bitcoin Magazine. Mm -hmm. We bought that from uh, Vitalik and Mihai. So we invested a lot of energy in, in really building that back and we're pretty proud of where it is right now, but it still has a long ways to go. And yeah, kept growing, kept trying to keep our customers happy. And before we knew it, you know, we're the largest company in the space in terms of media. Now, your background is in finance. Where were you going to school? So I went to the University of Alabama. Okay. And um, that's also where I met John here and okay. uh, some of the other people that work on our team, uh, Tyler Evans, who I'm sure will be listening to this podcast. How's it going, Tyler? Good <laughs> to see you, man. So we're a, a bunch of Southern guys. And, you know, that's one of the interesting things about Bitcoin is that there's been these spheres of influence that have been built out across the world. You know, Shanghai, New York, San Francisco, London, Amsterdam, Buenos Aires, but uh, Tel Aviv, the Southeast has been totally ignored for many parts. And, and I think that that's just because of a lot of, I hate to use the word, you know, ignorance, but there's a lot going on in the South that people just don't realize. Like they don't realize how many big businesses are based here and how many, you know, Nashville is the healthcare capital of the entire world. Yeah. People don't even know this. And, um, you know, I'm a Yankee myself, and I have to say that being here in the South 16 years now, there is a lot of ignorance here. But I have to say that <laughs> where I come from up north, there's just as much ignorance. Right. I think really north, south, east, and west, there's a lot of ignorance around these days. Man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we, we've really wanted to help, you know, bring some of those opportunities from the Southeast into the Bitcoin community. And so we've been working with companies out of Atlanta. Actually, Atlanta is the biggest payment city in the world. So oh, wow. TSIS and First Data are based there, um, who will be visiting next week. And, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity and promise in this region that I feel like we're just now starting to be able to tap into. And that's part of the reason we're really excited about being here in Nashville, because it's just it's a media hub. It's a fast growing city. And we think this technology is going to have a big place to play here. I agree with that completely. I'm excited about some of the things that you've told me. Some of the things you talked about at our last bit lunch, which was last Wednesday, uh, we cannot talk about secret stuff. And some of it we can talk about. One of the things we can talk about is this guy, John Riggins, you brought with you. Now, when I asked him a few minutes ago before we started, like, John, what's your title there? You guys weren't even sure, but John Riggins is going to play a key role in BTC Media. Uh, would you like to introduce that and then let John talk a bit? Yeah. So Bitcoin right now and, and blockchain is kind of like an iceberg. If you're not you know, actively involved in it, you only see the 10% on top. Mm -hmm. And there's 90% happening below the surface that's really just as exciting or more exciting, but you just don't know about it. Yeah. So um, in part of that effort, we are opening an office in Shanghai, China, and we're really going to be focusing on building a global information network so that the Bitcoin community, no matter where you are, knows what's happening on every other continent and every language, because this is really a decentralized technology that's happening everywhere. And John is going to be playing a key role in opening our office there and making sure that the lights stay on and that it doesn't burn down, et cetera. You know, so. I love it. You see businesses and they'll say London, Paris, Los Angeles. Yours is going to say 
Shanghai, Nashville. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So, John, tell us, man. Let's get the mic over here to John. John, welcome to the show, first of all. Thanks, John. Appreciate yes, sir. So, do you have a background in studying Chinese or in Asiatic cultures, comparative <laughs> religion? Are yes. you a, first of all, let me ask you, are you a Buddhist? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not a Buddhist, but I do have um, a background in studying Chinese culture and, and also Chinese language, so Mandarin. Um, studied it in college and, and met David uh, studying Chinese, actually. Wow. Um, doing some other things. Yeah, so I've, I've been kind of following along what's going on in the Bitcoin industry for the last few years and uh, working kind of in mainstream corporate America. Did some things in China with that role and got a call from David, you know, jumped to the opportunity to get into the industry and um, be a part of this exciting company and exciting industry. Wow, so you're actually going to be moving to China. Is that right? That's correct. We'll be in uh, Shanghai. So, in Shanghai. Let's get over there. Ah, <laughs> uh, beautiful Shanghai in beautiful the winter. Beautiful Shanghai. It's, it's really, the, you know, one of the great international cities that we have. And yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal place. Wow, that's incredible. Now, I heard a rumor that you were actually just going there for the women and the food. Is that true or not? <laughs> Those are a great uh, added bonus. Those are great there, added right? bonuses, right? Are you, uh, are you currently married or are you going to be looking for a Chinese wife while you're there? <laughs> I know that's kind of personal for the show and irrelevant, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see how, how all that goes. I'm okay. not going to bat myself in the corner here. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, we'll interview you in six months and see how it's going. There you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted on uh, The Love Life. Okay, that's exciting. So now what exactly, other than just, you know, frivolous fun and frolicking over there, what are you actually going to be doing over there? Do you guys have a game plan set up for what you'll do when you actually arrive? And, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so we actually have um, a digital property over there that's, that's already running. So we have some translators who are mostly what we're doing now is translating content from Western media into Chinese and, and disseminating it that way over there. We're looking to get some Chinese language reports on the ground over there and kind of cover the industry for Chinese language and for that demographic. So there's a lot going on in China. You know, the biggest mining companies are in China right now, and so there's a lot to cover. Yeah, so now you guys and your studying of what's going on specifically with blockchain technology and with Bitcoin in China, is it hard for you guys to follow? I mean, obviously in the tech world, most people around the world do speak English. That's, you know, kind of a second language, sort of a prerequisite these sure. days, it seems. But how do you guys study that and how do you guys keep abreast of what's actually going on over there in terms of, you know, what the government is allowing and what, you know, private industry is doing sure. and all of that? Sure. So we have good relationships with a lot of the main companies in China. Um, so that's kind of one, one source of our information. We also, you know, as, as part of reporting, we need to have sources that are, you know, privy to what the government's doing and what, you know, non-Bitcoin, but mainstream companies in China, what their Bitcoin strategy is. Part of the competitive edge you have to have to be, you know, in media is you have to have access to good information. And a lot of that comes from investing into relationships. And so something that we've done over the past three years is we've very extensively traveled to the different Bitcoin communities around the world and built relationships with people on the ground. And so we get information that flows to us, you know, through, I don't know how many different communication apps I have on my phone, Telegram, Wicker, WhatsApp. There's so many you know, different places that we engage with our community, but it's really important to build out that information network. And so part of what we're going to be doing in China is establishing those relationships so that, you know, we can report on news first before it happens, or even information that would never become news unless somebody was there listening. And we don't want to just do that in China. The long-term plan here is that once we've kind of gotten the secret sauce working a little bit in the Asian market. We're going to be expanding as well to, to Buenos Aires and, and really developing out the Spanish market as well. So, you know, we see Bitcoin playing different roles in different parts of the world. And, you know, sure, you mentioned the tech community speaks English. And in the United States, for the most part, those interested in Bitcoin are from the tech community. But if you look outside of the United States, that audience changes. So if you go to Buenos Aires, people are actually using Bitcoin as a tool to live their daily normal lives. And hmm. if you go onto coinmaps.org you know, and look at where Bitcoins are being accepted, there's just as many places in Buenos Aires accepting Bitcoin as there is in San Francisco. Interesting. Wow. And, you know, Buenos Aires doesn't have the tech reputation that, that San Francisco does. Hmm. So... You know, I think that there's going to be a different type of user. There is a different type of user in South America and in, in Asia. Primarily, we're, you know, at this point seeing the miners. But what we have been knowing and hearing about underneath the surface is that we're going to see increasingly financial institutions from China play a major role in this industry. Okay, and given the green light by the government, I assume. Definitely, yes. Okay, that's pretty important. You know, at the last bit lunch, I don't remember the guy's name. You guys remember his name? The guy that had been to North Korea. Oh, yeah. In case he, he's listening to this, yes, I remember his name, but I, for privacy reasons, I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I too remember his name. I was just testing you gentlemen, but for privacy reasons, we will not be disclosing that. Young man, if you're out there, we're protecting you. Anyway, um, yeah, he, the guy had been to North Korea, right? A couple of years back or back in what, 2006, I think he said, yep. right? And, you know, basically he said that he had to have somebody follow him around the whole time. They were not letting him run freely around the country, right? You know, spreading rumors and spreading Western hedonistic behavior and all of that, which I can completely understand. But is China at all like that? Are you guys going to have the sense that someone is watching you? You know, how's that going to work? Being in China, especially in the larger cities, the tier one cities, is very similar to being in New York. There's no risk of that per se. Um, I will say... You know, I got to be a little bit guarded with what I say, but I would be willing to say on the record that the PBOC is very actively interested in digital currency and is actively experimenting with digital currency. And I think that this reputation that China has as being anti-Bitcoin is actually going to change once the financial industry over there starts integrating blockchain technology into their systems. So Maybe they won't come out and say, we love Bitcoin, just like the United States banking system hasn't come out and said, we love Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they're going to be embracing the underlying technology and investing into its development and, and advancement. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, if you listen to U.S. media, you <laughs> always get this feeling. There's, It's kind of a... Um a juvenile approach often to how to handle different events and how to discuss certain things, especially international news. When I read foreign press, I always get the sense that it was written by someone that has at least graduated from college. And again, listening to American press, I often get the feeling that I'm listening to someone who's in high school in some kind of a discussion or argument they're having with one of their friends, such that, you know, China is the evil enemy always. You know, you ask people, you know, what are the biggest economic problems facing the country right now? And you, know, you won't hear people say, well, we've got a lot of corruption here, right? We've got a lot of serious economic problems. You'll hear people say, China, it's China. <laughs> China's bringing down all the markets, man. It's all about China. The reason that bothers me is because it kind of relieves us of any responsibility as individuals, as a culture, you know, and our government which I think, you know, of course, our government is largely responsible for a lot of the problems we have. Being in bed with some corporations who have complete disregard for human life, the sanctity of human life for human freedoms, that's also a factor. So these are, you know, there are a lot of factors. Education, public education has almost been co-opted to the extent that, you know, well, it's in bad shape anyway. So there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around. And uh, I don't think the blame game really helps that much of course you guys i think your model is don't stand around complaining don't stand around blaming get busy and that's what you guys are doing and i think that's fantastic but from the chinese perspective does the average person if you were to say hey what's the source of all the problems here in your country would they say america <laughs> no no <laughs> no i don't think so there are a lot of problems in china but you know part of what gets us really excited about bitcoin is that it provides a solution to some of those problems and so if you just put your head down and get working and, and educate as many people as possible and, you know, all you entrepreneurs out there get building on your applications, then you can kind of make whatever the government says, you know, irrelevant to the problems. You just build the solutions yourself. Go with the Uber model. Just do it, fix it, and, you know, let the consumers know that it's out there and they'll come to it and you'll solve everyone a bunch of headaches. Nice, man. I like it. So let's talk a little bit about BTC Media and how many guys uh, are on your team and where are you located? Can people come visit you here in Nashville? Tell us a bit about that, if you would. Yeah, so we're based in downtown Nashville at Cummins Station, and we're in Suite 234. We have a team of about 10 full-time people, just shy of 10 full-time people, but we're going to be expanding to about 20 full-time people over the next six months. And we have an open door policy. So please come by and visit anytime, uh, day or night. We work 24-7, seven days a week. We are completely addicted to all things digital currency. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you come by. We'll hook you up with some free swag. And uh, eventually, depending on when you come visit, we're going to have a Bitcoin ATM in the city. And do you guys still have that keg back there in the back? Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's had to be returned so we can get another refill on it. Okay, okay, good. These guys had a great party to introduce themselves to the Nashville community, and they had hot chicken, and they had beer, and um, I think one of them made a comment, something like, they can tell what people in Nashville are like because there's a bunch of hot chicken left, but all the beer was gone. 
<laughs> That's right. And I don't actually, to be honest, I don't remember if I was if I was responsible for any of that at all. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the answer right there. <laughs> well, I rem- all I remember, all I remember for sure, guys, David, all I remember is the last time I saw you, there were two of you. That's all I remember. <laughs> well, uh, we also have one really exciting project that we're going to be working on over the next few months that I think is going to bring Bitcoin to Nashville in a in a really big way and raise the profile. Oh yeah, yeah, tell the listeners about this. This is great stuff. So we're gonna be doing a conference. We haven't set a date yet, but it's gonna be sometime in the first two thirds of this year. And it's gonna be focused on blockchain technology as it applies to capital markets and healthcare. So we're gonna be drilling down very deep on some very core topics. So instead of you know being general with what is blockchain, we're gonna say, all right, how does blockchain specifically apply to medical payments? And what are blockchain companies doing right now that major medical healthcare companies could pilot right now and and how could they impact their business. And so we're going to be inviting all the CTOs from all the healthcare companies in town. Um, We're talking to companies like Tesis and Capital One and uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Blackstone about coming and sponsoring the event. And we're really trying to make it something where we get the entire healthcare community, specifically healthcare, because Nashville is a healthcare town, really excited about the opportunity with this technology. And I think it's particularly important because as of now, you know, people have talked about, oh, well, you know, blockchain could really disrupt, you know, medical records or medical payments, but no one's actually developed out that, those concepts and really talked about what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a real opportunity to open up a whole new industry to this that is going to bring in new startups and new capital and new interest rather than just, you know, more big banks. Let's get more big hospitals and, and more big medical companies. Nice. I like it. You know, these are the exciting times, in my opinion, when we're seeing a lot that was previously theoretical be put to use in practical ways. Um, of course, there's the concept of disrupt, right, in practical ways. Then there's the concept of help. So what would you say to your average person listening? They're like, wow, that would be great. We can incorporate blockchain technology in healthcare. What does that mean for your average person? And does it in any way mean that healthcare is going to continue to be able to do some of the things that they do now, for instance, and I'll just name one, um, charging way more than they should charge for anything, right? And, and I'll add to that, I'll add that there's great pressure on healthcare providers when they see patients, there's great pressure to do it quickly and to get as many in and out as you can. This is well-documented, that's well-discussed, right? right? And that's what's caused a lot of healthcare providers to move on. In fact, there are two young ladies in this neighborhood who are both medical doctors. Well, one of them's a medical doctor, the other one I believe is an RN. They started their own, they got so tired of that, they started their own practice and they actually have their own little doctor's office like you'd have in the old days so they can take their time with their patients Uh, they accept all the insurances that you know make it easy for people to go to them Uh, but you know those are big problems those are the pressing problems on people right now Um, and of course (laughs) our good friends in the insurance business our good friends in the insurance business are right there helping us out you know they're right there Um, with their hands out or with their hooks in people doing their fair share of robbing and pillaging too. And I don't think I'm overstating this in any way, shape or form. I really don't. You know, I think that there are a lot of other people who feel exactly like I do, that they need some help. They need something to come along and be able to lower those costs and uh, and still be able to get, you know, the old thing, affordable and high quality health care is really what it comes down to as the bottom line for human beings, for men and women and their children, right? I would say I completely agree, but, you know, it's a complicated issue. And I think if you talk to the the parties that run the insurance companies or run the medical payments companies, they would have a different opinion. And I think that part of the issue is because of the regulation that's around this industry, everything is extremely convoluted and there's a, a lack of transparency in the industry at large. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, earlier we were talking about placing blame. Well, when you have all these convoluted rules and, and a lot of different parties involved, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly where the problem arises. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of the potential with blockchain technology is to really streamline, you know, not just the medical payments component of it, but provide the transparency of exactly who is invoicing who and exactly who is, I mean, think about it. Sometimes when you go to the doctor, there may be seven or eight different parties involved in a, in a payment. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be the actual doctor that you're working with or the outpatient center you're going to who's having to 
communicate with a hospital, who's then communicating with an insurance company. Maybe there's multiple insurance companies involved in the transaction. And all these parties are having to comply with regulations that are written by not doctors, mm-hmm. you know, that are extremely complicated and, and you know, have to be compliant in, in multiple different regards. And so, you know, if you look at the capital markets side of the equation, look at banking, Part of what banks are really excited about with blockchain is that it brings transparency to the system in a way that allows them to be compliant with all these regulations, but not have to have it all manually processed by humans to be compliant. Mm-hmm. I think that that same logic is applicable to healthcare. Okay. And I also think there's a lot of promise around, you know, people have talked about putting identity on the blockchain, but putting medical records on the blockchain and your ability to, you know, take your medical records with you and keep them privately and have different doctors from around the world interact with your medical records in a way that is auditable and then, you know, be able to have a complete medical history when you go to the doctor. And, and what that's going to end up doing is it's going to keep a lot of people from dying because, you know, they get prescribed a medicine that they're allergic to and, you know, they were missing some important record that's literally on a piece of paper somewhere in a filing cabinet in a different state. Yeah. And, you know, now they're having to have a bunch of capital invested into them just because their records are incomplete. So I think there's just a lot of transparency. And I don't think it's going to solve everything, clearly, because there's a lot of problems. But I think it can alleviate some of the problems and it can help us pinpoint where we need to work. This episode of Bitcoins and Gravy is brought to you by our good friends at MoonshineBootWax.com. Made by hand in small batches right here in East Nashville, Tennessee, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is the original, all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is a proprietary blend of American beeswax and other fine, all-natural ingredients. It's specially formulated to feed and protect your leather while also offering an excellent, long-lasting shine. Whether it's your cowboy boots, your expensive wing tips, or your wife's favorite pumps, Moonshine Boot Wax is a must-have for gentlemen who care about their appearance. Moonshine Boot Wax is proud to partner with Community Food Advocates, a nonprofit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy, just, and sustainable food system. Together with Community Food Advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community, one shine at a time. You can buy your very own four ounce tin today by going to moonshinebootwax.com. And best of all, you can pay using Bitcoin. Needless to say, you guys at BTC Media have your work cut out for you in terms of helping to educate people in the healthcare field and all of that, right? That's a difficult task because a lot of these people, all they've heard about is Silk Road. All they've done is watch a little blurb about Bitcoin on CNN. They heard that the owner of it was arrested in Japan and blah, 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 right? So that that's a little bit of a difficult task. Well, I'll jump in here. I'll, I'll actually disagree with that point. What the heck? You can't disagree and, with me. I'm the host. Just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, and, man. And I, just I, David, just this once. <laughs> and I think it actually has to do a little bit with where we are being in the Southeast. Because, you know, if you're in San Francisco or New York, you heard about Bitcoin a couple years ago when it was all about Silk Road. But in our experience so far with working with people in Nashville or in the Southeast, they're really just hearing about this for the first time. I mean, maybe they've heard about it in the past six months or eight months. And if you look at the headlines over the past six months, it's not about Silk Road. It's about NASDAQ reengineering their exchange. And, and blockchain, right. Right. And, and every major investment bank and financial institution in the world making eight-figure sum investments into the industry. And so they're coming into this saying, wow, this technology really looks credible. I'm, I'm really shocked we haven't thought about this before. And so we've had a lot of positive reception to what we're talking about because there aren't all these associated problems. You know, they don't, they they never even heard the word Mt. Gox before, which is very refreshing because, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, two years ago, you had to start off by explaining what happened with Mt. Gox and why all of Bitcoin's not going to fail. Right. So, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, part of the advantage. And I think we're going to keep seeing this happen over time as, you know, history almost rewrites itself. You know, the, the context in which people understand this technology is going to change and it's going to become more sophisticated and trusted over time. So part of what we're wanting to do with this conference is not just 
demonstrate to the industry what blockchain can do, but also use it as an opportunity for the blockchain industry to become educated on the problems that the healthcare industry has. Okay. And so, you know, it's a two-way, I guess, learning curve. And so we'd love to have some people from the Bitcoin community. We're excited about having maybe companies like Consensus and Chain and Gem and DAH come and educate Nashville on what type of projects that they can build. Man, that'd be fantastic. Now, so I know it's kind of a personal question, but... You know, do you guys have some kind of a budget if it's going to take that to bring some of this talent here? So, or do you just beg? For we're great at begging. <laughs> oh, good, good, man. That's no, a, but, it's an, it's an art. It's a fine art. <laughs> Once you hey, listen. You mentioned earlier the secret sauce. Once you tell them you've got secret sauce, I think they're going to be here, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh for competitive reasons, I'd probably not want to answer that question. I understand, but I will say that we are going to put on a extremely high quality event. And in terms of where we're prioritizing our focus, you know, we would much rather see an event that's successful and lots of pilot projects that are exciting come out of than to make any money off this conference. So we're going to be making whatever investment we need to, to make sure it's high quality and the right people are participating. Okay, nice. So, I mean, does that also include, you guys are talking like, instead of hot chicken and beer, you guys talking like surf and turf and champagne, what's going on? <laughs> is that fair to say, man? Well, hey, this that... is a healthcare conference, so we're going to oh. be a little healthier than that. Maybe. Oh, right, right. Okay, well. <laughs> no, actually, hot chicken is what I was thinking. Bring in some yeah. food trucks. And, and yeah, man. I'm actually thinking about doing it over at Marathon. Oh, Marathon Music Works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That's a great venue. It's a cool space. And, Very cool space. Um, we want to make sure there's lots of private meeting rooms, etc., so that it's not just like listen to panels all day, but it's you know talk to entrepreneurs and let these CTOs understand exactly what can be built for them. Nice man. Yeah, you know I've been to two conferences. I mentioned to you at the last Bit Lunch, uh, both the Texas Bitcoin Conference, the only conferences I've been to. I know listeners, that's a shocker. You imagine that I'm traveling all over the globe, going to a different conference every week. Well, you know if some of you out there were tipping me a little better, that might be a reality. Come but, on, people. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, come on, people, <laughs> tip me. <laughs> no, but uh, so. Uh, yeah, those conferences were great, but you know, going back last year and then the year before, they were radically different. The places, the venues were radically different. The format was radically different. The first one had music and fun. The second one, Bitcoin's price was going down instead of up. It was not quite um, as a celebratory uh, vibe there, I would say. It was much more serious and just speaker after speaker after speaker. But you know, I did see some things that could have been improved upon. And of course, I spoke to Paul Snow about that. And he and his wife, they worked their butts off to put together two great conferences. And I know that they know a lot about how hard it is to organize a conference and what will make a good conference. And I would just throw out the idea that, you know, Paul is such a great guy. I think he and his wife could probably talk your ears off about what to and what not to do. I think those guys could help you out a lot. And that's what the Bitcoin community is about, helping right. each other out. I definitely agree. We're big fans of the snows and i think that paul is a genius but the secret behind them is is linda who's like the uh detail-oriented one maybe yep yep and uh they, she's the one that keeps him in order <laughs> thank you linda we're very very thankful because they've been amazing heroes at helping us get why bitcoin distributed in austin they've moved thousands and thousands and thousands of magazines wow nice and um you know they just do it for the community which is just why i love bitcoin so much is that the community is so dedicated and passionate about what we're doing that's totally cool and another shout out to paul anybody that doesn't know paul snow he's also a unicyclist who has actually done some fundraising riding his unicycle around Austin. Pretty neat stuff. Anyway, yeah, got to love Paul and Linda Snow. And a shout out to his project, uh, Factum, as well. You should definitely check that out and read more about what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Factum rocks, and uh, they've got a great staff. Actually, have a good friend who's working with those guys now. But yeah, I'm definitely bullish on Factum and uh, Factoids. If you've not bought your Factoids, get some Factoids, <laughs> people. <laughs> Straight up, you're going to wish that you had in a couple of years. Anyway, so we've got the conference coming up. Do you have a date set for that or tentatively anything? No date set yet. It really depends on what time frames are working well with the sponsors we're talking with. Okay. We do have some more really exciting announcements about Bitcoin and Nashville that we're going to be wanting to come back on in, in a few weeks or a month to talk more about. But you and, can't you can't talk about it now? Not right now. Come on, and, David, man. And we have some really exciting stuff about China that really will just rock people's minds. Um, wow. It blew my mind, and there's few things I feel like in this industry that can do that anymore. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm excited, This man. is an exciting time for Bitcoin. Not only everything that's going on around blockchain, not only all the applications that have been developed, 
but also the price of Bitcoin going from, you know, a year of stability and now we're up over 100 percent Yeah. from so many directions, so much innovation happening. And it just my blood's already I'm starting to get a little bit hot just talking about it. I understand, so. <laughs> man. You know, I was getting my coffee today with my friend Connie and I was talking to a barista, a young guy. He's in college and I brought up Bitcoin again. He always laughs when I do. And he says, well, actually, you know, I feel like it's, you know, I've kind of missed the boat. It's a little too late. I said, no, 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 my friend. I said, now is the perfect time to get into Bitcoin in any way that you possibly can. Even if you have no knowledge of it whatsoever, buy yourself $10 or $20 or $100 worth of Bitcoin, and you're probably not going to regret it. I love asking guests if they would give a prophecy. What can you tell our listeners, just your opinion, about the price of Bitcoin and what you think that it possibly could do, good or bad, over the next, let's say, five years, and why? So I'm going to try to be a little bit reserved on this question because, <sighs> just to keep my office from being mad at me. So I think that uh, we will see an all-time high this year and next year. And I think that 2015, in, you know, if you look back at recent history, is most comparable to 2012 in Bitcoin time. And so a year of consolidation, a year of, you know, kind of establishing a base of support. And, you know, I think that we're going to be seeing several thousand dollars of Bitcoin within the next 18 months. I talked to a lot of people in the industry, obviously, and talked to a lot of the large exchange operators. And I'd say that sentiment shared pretty broadly. What happens over the next five years? Impossible to tell. So, you know, when you talk about 2016, 2017, Bitcoin hitting an all-time high, that would be over $1,200, right? What would you base that on if someone said, well, why do you think that? Is it just speculation that the traders are just going to be trading and that'll just bring it up and up and up? Or what else could you say could be the reason for that in terms of actual science or business? Yeah. So several things. First off, the halving's coming up. And I think that that's a really big event because it's a liquidity event in the space. It really will deprive the market of supply and mm -hmm. it's all supply and demand based, obviously. So that's the obvious one. The things that we know that's happening behind the scenes, um, there's several fundamental things going on with the price right now. One is there's a lot of funds that have just completed raising significant rounds of capital. I'd say that there's over $200 million that is gonna be invested um, just into Bitcoin and blockchain companies over the next 12 months from established Bitcoin blockchain funds. So that doesn't include American Express putting in $12 million. I'm talking about just funds that are solely dedicated to blockchain. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of money. Second, there is real growth in the number of users that Bitcoin has. So, you know, it's not a sexy thing for the space to talk about. But if, you know, we talk about the drug market and the darknet market, you can actually proxy the growth of these markets by looking at the subreddit growth, subscriber growth, or by looking at listing growth on the darknet markets themselves. And all of these are breaking all-time highs. In fact, the darknet market is doubling at least every year and probably doubling every six months. And add to that porn and gambling. Right. Right. And then gaming, which is not quite as innocent as everybody thinks it is in terms of the time that young people put into it, just my opinion. But yeah, go ahead. Well, so, you know, if, if you're thinking about the darknet market growing every six months, doubling, then, you know, let's say there's a million darknet market users. Well, now there's two million and now there's four million. And so we're really starting to get to this point where scale is some very large numbers. Um, you also can look at, you know, transaction growth, et cetera, on like websites like blockchain.info. And it mirrors what I'm saying. I mean, we're hitting all-time high transactions almost every day. Wow. Um, you can also look at how developed the market is now versus three years ago. There's a lot of different ways to look at this, but, you know, we have Bitcoin exchanges that are not just regulated and approved by governments now, but also have FDIC insurance. You can have FDIC insurance on your Bitcoin. That is insane. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, the on-ramps are larger and better than they've ever been before. Mm -hmm. We could use some more off-ramps. Yep. And uh, the global Bitcoin community has really developed. I mean, there's actually a Bitcoin scene in Venezuela now. There's a Bitcoin yeah. scene in Brazil. There's a Bitcoin scene in all these countries that just weren't even on the map at all with the last bubble. So I think all this stuff added together is a lot of tinder for uh, a really massive fire. And one point I'd like to add to this, the blockchain, the excitement and growth around blockchain, um, in my opinion, you know, the blockchain component of our industry is in a bubble right now. But because there's not a price assigned to it, it's hard to see it until retroactively. Mm -hmm. um, there are over 10,000 people around the world employed by corporations that have nothing to do with Bitcoin or blockchain, just to focus on blockchain technology. So you're talking about 150 person departments at IBM, 100 person department at Citibank, you know, 100 person department at Samsung. 
and you can keep going down the list. And so these are people that are very smart, that are getting paid six figure plus salaries, who are spending day in, day out, investing into the infrastructure that underpins Bitcoin. And not only that, they're telling other really smart people that they know, wow, this thing is the real deal. And so there's a network effect here happening that is not just the network effect of you and I going into a coffee shop and talking about it, which I do that all the time. Right, me too. But this is, you know, some PhD engineer at IBM going and telling his really smart banking friend, yeah, I'm a PhD at IBM and I think this is legit. Right, <laughs> so I right. think that there's just a lot of power and force behind the Bitcoin price and I think we're going to see it keep going up and up and up. I think you're right. And add to that something that you covered recently in Bitcoin Magazine was the Stanford offering this fall, the class that's going on right now, taught by two different professors. It's actually a Bitcoin class. It's not a blockchain class. It's a Bitcoin class, of course. And they're using the 21 Bitcoin computers. And the class is actually um, over oversubscribed. So there's not enough space for the students that are wanting to attend. Bitcoin is something that's really captured the minds and hearts of students around the world. And the fruit of that labor is going to take years to, to pan out because they're, they're still students. But we're going to be seeing innovation in this space really in perpetuity. I mean, there's going to be new ideas coming online all the time. That's what's so exciting about the Internet is that every year the Internet just gets better because somebody comes up with some wacky idea out of their garage yep. and it works. And all of a sudden we have Uber. Or all of a sudden we have Airbnb or Facebook. Yeah. That's going to happen in Bitcoin and blockchain, and it's going to be happening every couple of years. Some brand new killer application is going to be developed. I think so, too. And I love these days now when people say, Bitcoin, yeah, isn't that that one scam thing that I'll just say, well, actually, Princeton, Stanford, and MIT are all offering fall courses in Bitcoin. And it just shuts them up. I just love being able to say that now. It makes me feel so good inside. It, it really is unbelievable how much it's it evolved. Is. It's craziness. So, John Riggins. You've been very silent over there. Before we go, let's uh, let's hear a little bit more from you about your plans for China. When do you plan to leave, and uh, what will you be wearing? <laughs> yeah, we don't have that all settled up yet, uh, timing-wise. Um, we do have a trip coming up just in the next couple of weeks to go and uh, do, do a quick run over there. Um, as for what I'll be wearing, uh, traditional Chinese dress. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, 365, seven days a week. So. Nice, man. I can uh, see that. Will you be living in a rice paper house, I imagine? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, rice patty. Um, rice patties, have right, known, in <laughs> yeah, right in the heart, heart of uh, financial capital of, of Asia. Uh, nice. <laughs> well, it sounds like fun. So, you guys are planning a trip there soon. You and David, anybody else from the company going? Maybe. Uh, we're not sure yet. Yeah. Maybe we only decide travel plans about six hours before they actually happen. I see. Cool. Now, let me ask you this you know, you guys, you guys don't have to say yes, you can say no if you want to, but. Um, could I could I go with you? Could I go Could I go with you? <laughs> yeah, it, it, you just need to keep the keep the uh, socially insensitive comments. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh shoot, man, that's exciting though, man. Really, I'd love to go to China. I've always wanted. There's so many places I would love to go, but that would definitely be at the very top of my list. I think we'll make it happen someday. Hey, you heard it right here from David Bailey, the CEO of BTC Media. He and his company are going to take me to China one day. I can't wait. I want to be in the presidential palace playing Ode to Satoshi for those guys. I don't think they'll get it, but I think they'll tap their toes politely at least. I think so. Well, anything else, guys? Can you think of any parting words of wisdom or anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Thank you for having us on the show. And thank you for seeding Bitcoin in this community for so long and keeping it alive and breathing in Nashville. And we can't wait to help you in that mission and make this the Bitcoin capital of the Southeast. Nice, man. You know, at this point, I feel like I'm supporting you guys because you guys came in from nowhere. It was like a dream. I sometimes wonder if it's possible that I got shifted over to a parallel universe. And back <laughs> in the universe I was in previously, there ain't shit going on in the Bitcoin world in Nashville. You know, so I'm, I'm happy to be in this new parallel universe with you guys. And uh, no, it really is great to have you guys here in uh, Nashville. And I think that, uh, you know, growing our numbers is going to be really important. But everything that you guys have planned, I'm so friggin' excited about it. I can't even tell you if there's anything that I can do to help you guys in any way, promoting it, promoting you guys on the show. I'm completely happy to do that. One thing I'm going to throw out here, I've been wanting for us to organize some sort of challenge, mm. get the meetup group together and organize a challenge that we'll cover on Bitcoin Magazine how many merchants we can get signed up in the city of Nashville over a 90-day period. And we'll chronicle the whole thing. Mm. We can put it online. 
but I want to be able to spend my Bitcoins at more than just three or four places. And I think we can do Me it. Me too. Uh, so the challenge, would that be like a contest almost where like the person that signs up the most would win something? Maybe. And that could I'm, be really cool. I'm open to ideas on this, but we need to have 50 merchants accepting Bitcoin. This needs to be one of the highest density locations in the entire United States. And we got the passion and we got the people. So let's make it happen. I agree completely. And um, I will work to that. And, you know, I've really tried and talked to a bunch of people. And really, you know, because we are where we are, this is not known as a tech hub. You just simply do not have the tech minded people with the skills that you have in, let's say, New York or Austin, of course, or San Francisco, of course, right? Or Palo Alto. So it's a more difficult thing here to even get people interested in coming to the meetups and people interested, merchants interested in accepting Bitcoin. But I like the idea of a challenge a great deal, David. Well, and I'll tell you one of the methodologies I've learned at a previous meetup, they call it the BitBomb, where uh, you have a Bitcoin meetup at one location mm -hmm, yeah. and everyone spends Bitcoin. Yep. And the incentive for the restaurant to accept Bitcoin is we're going to come spend $500 at your restaurant. Yep. But we're only going to spend it if you accept Bitcoin. I love it. You know, I think we did something like that here that was a little bit of a debacle involving the Bitcoin car and Bitcoin trader, that company that scammed people. So it, I think it didn't work out that well, but that was it. That, that was it. That was that. Uh... And on that note. <laughs> do you remember those guys? I, I do. They, they. Yes, I definitely do. Hey, if you're out there, you bastards, we're still looking for you. Anyway, so, yeah, what do we have here as far as companies that accept Bitcoin right now? There's Flight, Flight which is one of the hippest restaurants in town. It is. Um, Flight's a great place. I've also talked to the general manager at Hattie B's. Okay. Oh, and nice. there's some interest there. And Hattie B's is like tourist destination number one. Sweet. And, you know, one of the best places to get hot chicken in town. Absolutely. I love Hattie B's. I dream about it sometimes. So that would be a great place to start. I mean, I'd be able to bring them business at least twice a day. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You guys are the hot chicken guys here in Nashville now, too. When are you guys going to have another hot chicken fest over there at the uh, BTC Media headquarters? We're actually going to do one every quarter. So Ooh. with the production of the new magazine coming up, we'll probably do it sometime in mid-February. Ooh, I'm excited, man. That's coming up soon. Yeah, we are, too. All right, so if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, or around Nashville, Tennessee, we have a Bitcoin meetup now. It's called BitLunch. We meet every Wednesday at noon, oftentimes for Mexican food right there, Income and Station. And what's the name of that place? Cinco de Mayo. Yes, at Cinco de Mayo there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We just sit around. We talk Bitcoin. Uh, David always has something new and interesting to say that BTC Media brings to the table, literally. Please join us for one of our BitLunch meetups, folks. Thanks for being here, guys. It was great. Thank you for having us. And John, good luck in China, man. Thanks, John. You're welcome. See you guys. Bye. That was fun. That was fun. And I'd like to thank my guests on today's show, BTC Media's CEO, David Bailey, and of course, John Riggins, the soon-to-be BTC Media man on the ground, all the way over there in Shanghai, China. John, I look forward to visiting you there in Shanghai and sharing a dish of beef chow mein together. BTC Media, welcome to Nashville. It's great to have you guys here. As a side note, David Bailey also provides consulting services for companies and institutions that are seeking to break into the Bitcoin space. Give David a call or the next time you're in Nashville, drop by the BTC Media office in their new downtown Nashville location where they have an open door policy. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax, the original all-natural non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. The Nashville Wax Company is now offering Moonshine Biker Boot Wax. Yes, the same high-quality boot wax now available in black. Their newest product is also available at 15 different fine retail outlets in and around Nashville, including the shops at the Nashville Airport. That's right, Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover for removing stubborn, sticky stuff. This is a must-have household helper to get you through the 21st century. To order one of these fine Moonshine products without even getting up out of your chair, just go to moonshinebootwax.com. Use your credit card, your debit card, or better yet, pay the modern way with Bitcoin. That's right, Bitcoin, the modern way to pay.
Signing off now from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. (coughs) If you've enjoyed listening to the show, tell your friends about it and send me a small tip. We will see you next week for another exciting episode of Bitcoins and Gravy. Until then, y'all be good to each other out there. And remember, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Do something, y'all. Hey, you. How'd you like a VIP pass to the super secret Bitcoins and Gravy after show? Yeah? Well, follow me. We're taking you live now to the historic Woodland Street Theater in beautiful East Nashville, Tennessee, where Reverend Johnny's big band Down Home Country Jam is set to debut their new single, Ode to Satoshi. Hit it, Johnny. Thank you very kindly, friends. I'd like to dedicate this song to the great American freedom fighter and songwriter, Mr. Pete Seeger. May you rest in peace. I would also like to dedicate this song to Andreas Antonopoulos for his words of wisdom and hope for us all. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain. Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Oh Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain, oh Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go. I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word. And today the magic word is media. M-E-D-I-A. Media. As in the sentence, BTC Media. It is so great to have you guys here in town to help spread the news and help educate people about the future of Bitcoin and the blockchain. (laughs) 